In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four epic book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 37, Back in My Day. Back in My Day. <laughs> we used to walk uphill to school both ways. Three miles. <laughs> no shoes. In the snow. <gasps> no shoes. One I always heard was sandwich bags on my feet instead of snow boots. <laughs> Sandwich bags over my shoes. I heard trash bags. Oh, trash bags. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same, same, same principle. Yeah. Same yeah. idea. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. life was so much harder. Yeah. Back in my day. Actually, when you think about the trash bag, sandwich bag thing, that just sounds like a money savings. It really does. It sounds kind of out of their boots so fast. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's not a negative. No. That's a like, that's a cost saving maneuver right cost there. Cost saving slash environment saving. Yeah. You're not buying materials that you'll never wear out. Yeah. So, by the way, our theme this week... <laughs> yeah, wow. Sorry. Tangent. Went on a tangent right away. Our theme this week is about sort of uh, grumpy, curmudgeonly characters, yes. you might say. Um, people that are just sort of over it. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They will yell, get off my lawn. They will say, back in my day, with yes. no irony. No. And that's who we're thinking about this week. Yes. Yeah. We've embraced them. We have. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to embrace. There this, is. It kind of sound amazing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. There's a directness there that I have to appreciate sometimes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thinking about curmudgeonly characters, mm-hmm. Amy, yeah. how do you picture yourself as an elderly person? And because a lot of curmudgeons may be seen as elderly, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I picture myself as like sort of um, a Cruella DeVille type character <gasps> with like a shock wow. of white hair next to my red hair. <laughs> like... Part of the hair has grown white. Part of it, there's still a little bit of red. Okay. 
So I just like super crazy. Yes. I'm going to skip the dog hair coat because I'm vegan and that yeah, just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fly with okay. me. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. And the um, killing the dogs the part. Killing the the dogs dogs. Okay. That's going to be a big no yeah, on that okay. one. Okay. Hard pass. Yeah. Um, but also I'm going to be like the old lady at the rallies that, you know, hold up signs that say like, we still are talking about this shit about like oh, abortion or reproductive yeah. rights. I'm going to be that lady. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to have like, a cadre of dumb men that you make you do that you have them do your bidding because that Cruella Deville right. has that yes okay oh that's a big important part that I forgot you're yeah. right yeah I need them to be shirtless oh and I need okay. them to do new, my bidding new detail yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair okay uh-huh. basically I want them um waiting on me hand and foot yeah and be like, listen, you know, you're not going to get a job unless you take your shirt off. It may be sexual harassment, but guess what? We've been dealing with this a long time. It's time you, you deal with you it. You try it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also maybe you can make, use them instead of like dog killing. They have to go save animals. Like oh, that's part of their thing. Yeah. Like they get rewarded for how many animals they save. <laughs> and I like it. Yeah. Yeah. They just have to bring it to you. Like I picture you just watching TV and they're like, mm-hmm. here's my offerings this week. And you're like, oof. You're not hitting your quota. Jasper got 500, so <laughs> probably want to put in a few and more Jasper's hours. looking real good without his shirt. Yeah. I don't know about you, buddy. Clearly not doing your push-ups. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> got some I like standards. you as a yeah. curmudgeonly character you. slash yeah. elderly person. <laughs> it's enjoyable. So, Aaron, mm-hmm. do you have any experience with a curmudgeonly character yourself? I, I do. Mm. And one that would frequently yell, get off my lawn. In Ooh. fact, yes. So in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, there was like my house and then there was a house in between and then the house on the other side were close friends of my parents, our family, Mm -hmm. the house in between, um, when I was young, her, she was always, it was a female curmudgeonly character. She was always real intense, but then her husband died and things like ramped up to a new level. She always kept all the shades in her house drawn. But she was meticulous about her lawn and her whole backyard was like this gorgeous garden that she spent all her time in. But she only wore house robes, like zip up house robes because, and I didn't know this until one time I got caught in her lawn and then I had to hear the story, but she got like thistles or something shot, some kind of plant shot her in her knees and they never like you take them all out, but it never really goes away. So like. Something rubbing? I don't know the whole... Oh, yeah. This is, again, my, like, eight-year-old interpretation of whatever she told me. <laughs> but there was some kind of skin condition there that she couldn't really have fabric, like, directly touching it. Like, pants would really bother it. Okay. So, okay. She had real short hair. She mm-hmm. smoked like a chimney. Of course she did. And she yelled incessantly if you mm-hmm. walked on her lawn. Mm-hmm. And it was like a game sometimes to see if you could get across her lawn in the front to the other house, which is really no shorter mm-hmm. than the street, if you think about it. You're not you saving kids. any time. You were tempting yeah. fate mm-hmm. and death. And she would yell. And to this day, we still laugh about Millie, Millie. In, in between the houses, oh. just yelling. And oh my gosh, if your ball went in her backyard, <laughs> it was like death to figure out who was going to do it. My other brother Ryan and I would be like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. She likes you better. No, she doesn't. She yelled at me yesterday. Like, But doesn't that kind of appeal to you now as you're older, like mm-hmm. being that woman mm-hmm. and just effing with kids mercilessly and you feel like she obviously had eyes everywhere yeah because she had a sixth sense when we were in her backyard which granted also i was eight so we probably weren't as quiet as we thought we were like mm-hmm. chain link fence like ding, ding, <laughs> ding, 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 trying to climb it was probably a good alarm that someone's in your backyard probably but yeah yeah man she but intense. she had the neighborhood under her thumb she did you didn't go in her yard i can tell you that 
What I also like was the juxtaposition of when her husband was alive. He did a lot of the yard work, not the gardening, but like the lawn. Mm-hmm. And he wore the shortest shorts I've ever seen oh. in person. <laughs> so the house sounds like a wonderful duo. <laughs> yes. And one of her bedroom windows faced mine on the side and her shade was always drawn and it was curled in so much because it was never opened and it was like stained yellow from all the tobacco in the oh. house. And I was always like, what's behind that shade? It's probably good that you never saw. No, it's but it's probably, probably partly helped my imagination growing up mm. to imagine all kinds of That's you a good know, point. wild beasts over there. It probably helped your imagination. There was a lot of details in that story you just told about right? all the different things about her. Yeah. yeah. So you learned I did. to be observant. I can see her vividly. Wow. And in my mind, her lawn is like an un, like an impossible green. Like no one could have a lawn that nice. But she probably did. She did. And yeah. in my head, it's like the golden ticket of lawns. <laughs> Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. But then as I got older, sometimes she'd be out on the driveway and I would just talk to her. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because she's interesting then. But she could turn on a dime. As, oh, sure. As a good curmudgeonly character can. Oh, yes. She would turn it on and off and then he'd be like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Ah, where's my bike? <laughs> you saw a tiny bit behind the curtain. Yeah. Of her. And then I was like, uh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was... It was a real life experience with a curmudgeonly character. Man, she sounds like a real life Miss Havisham in a way. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I had to appreciate some things, the house mm-hmm. robe, whatever. But what do you think would be some good things about getting older? Well, I'll tell you what. Or I mean, already thing. about getting older, like the world sort of stops caring about women mm. once they hit their late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. And at first you're like, oh, this is weird. Like no one's really talking to us anymore in like in media or whatever. But then after a while you're like, this is freedom. Yeah. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Yes. I don't care anymore. Right. And that's the beauty of getting older is zero Fs to give. Right. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you stop caring about like how you look. Yeah. You stop caring about, you know, really a lot of things. I know for a fact in my 20s, I, this is sad to say, mm-hmm. I admit it, but I never left the house without makeup. Right. Frequently now, I'm like, why would I bother? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I'm just going to wipe it off anyway. And who's paying attention to me? And what do I care? What do I have to prove? Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to prove. Yeah. That is, you're right. Mm-hmm. I wear more wow. what I want now. Yes. I don't care anymore about like, yeah, like if, if this is what you're supposed to wear or not. I don't give an F. Yes. And I just see that growing as I get older and I can't wait until I just all the F's to give are just absolutely gone. Just gone. <laughs> I've got none left. <laughs> this is what it's like. I got none. Because I feel them slipping away every time I have a birthday. And it's oh, wonderful. Just blowing them out. With just that blowing candle. out in the wind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of getting older. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you were a curmudgeonly character, and I think you would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually they have a pet peeve, like your lady, you know, definitely wanted you off their freaking lawn. Yeah. What would your pet peeve be? Just don't move my stuff. <laughs> like, just don't. It's not even not touching it. It's just don't move it. Why are you moving things that aren't yours to places? I can't find them. Hmm. Sounds like you have experience with this. Yes, what I'm already there. Mean? Don't move my stuff. Like, it's not that hard. If I put something somewhere, I clearly wanted it there. I'm not willy-nilly placing things for anyone that thinks that. Like if I put my phone on the counter, I know in my head I put my phone on the counter. But if you go and move it to the table because it was in your way, 
Now I have no idea where my phone is, and you've made me feel crazy for five minutes because I haven't been able to find my phone. Who the hell is doing this to you? Right? Children. Ugh! But also, it also... And it's more than that, because even those I can get over, it's like my personal stuff. Like, why did you move the stuff on my bedside table? Why is my hand lotion not there? It was there last night. What are you doing with it? You got no reason. You moved it into the bathroom for no good reason. This also sounds like Mike is doing some of this. Yeah, probably. Mike. Yeah. It's just infuriating. So as you get older, you see this just increasing. So much increasing. What will you do to people... I just your stuff. Yeah. Okay. It okay. seems to be the most effective. Yeah. I just fear of God about moving her stuff. Will you have a certain wardrobe? Like the lady had her robe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've already told. I'm, I'm not really. I like I don't own any dogs now. Um, mm-hmm. I would own cats, but I'm very allergic. Yes. I've already pref, um, told all my children to be prepared that I plan to get the tiniest dog possible <laughs> and carry it in a large bag. So whatever accessorizes with that. Oh. And I'm going to frequently use it as an excuse. Like, I would love to, but I I mean, needs to be fed. Yep. I need to go home. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, you know, might send Christmas cards even with the dog on them. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I feel like I just want to embrace a lot of weird. I really want to as well. I don't want you to be able to predict what I'm up no. to. Yes. That's exactly it. I want to be unpredictable mm-hmm. because I just don't care. Yeah. And I want to just be able to yell when things are annoying. Like, yes. that is not okay. Right. Like in public sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right now you're holding yourself back probably. Yeah. yeah. Out mm-hmm. of, you know, social norms and children. And... See, that's the beauty. After a while, we won't care about that's social what norms. I'm saying. And that's honestly kind of what I found refreshing about some of these characters. Me too. Their directness. Yeah. Their ability to yell in public. Uh-huh. Get it, yeah. I say. <laughs> Well, that's a perfect way to turn yeah. to our picks. My fiction pick this week is called The Last Werewolf by Glenn Duncan. Okay. This came out in 2011. Okay. This was actually recommended to me by one of our friends, Matt. Mm. So, yes. In the first page, you learn that another werewolf has been killed. So, Jake Marlowe, the main character here, he's the last one standing. Oh, no. He hears this from his friend, Harley who advises him to go into hiding. But Marlo just can't seem to give a shit. Mm. He's 200 years old, and he is just over it. <laughs> Fair enough. He is over all of it. Fair. So he is the curmudgeonliest, like, m- werewolf man, whatever. <laughs> Here's some quotes of his to show how oh, over okay, it good. is. Life, like the boring drunk at the office party, keeps seeking you out. <laughs> There's a period of being bothered with big questions. It doesn't last forever. The point of civilization is so that one can check into a quality hotel. I kind of like that one. <laughs> that one I like a lot. <laughs> and then one chapter just starts with, reader, I ate him. <laughs> so Jake is a werewolf. And so every full moon, he eats someone. Oh, yeah. Because that's what werewolves do. Yep. He's been trying lately to eat assholes who no one will miss, like a hedge fund specialist. Genius. Yeah. And for that, the descendants of Van Helsing have been rooting out him and all of his kind over the years. And they found oh. every last one except Jake. Okay. So Jake knows that he should care that he's going that they're going to kill him. But he doesn't. Mm. Until he learns a couple things. One, that there's a virus in his blood that may let vampires move in the daylight. So they're after him as well. The vampires. Oh, gosh. And also, he's actually not the only one. There's a woman. A woman werewolf. A woo-woo-woo? A woo-woo? 
<laughs> oh, we will. Okay, I'll back out of that one. <laughs> I want you to spell that. How does that spell? W O W O L. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, <laughs> yep, that's ex- that's okay. it exactly. That's her name in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so Jake is very smart. He's clever. Reading his voice is super entertaining because he's just so over it, and because mm. of some of those quotes that I said. I mean, there seems a- to be some humor. Is there some humor in here? Okay. Yeah, there's dark humor. He's yeah, also just a smartass. He's just oh, fun. Okay, you know, after living for two hundred years, after reading all there is to read, which he has. He's like, oh. well, what else is there? So that's another reason. He's a big reader. Oh, he's read everything. And he's him. like, nothing else. Like, I've read it all. There's nothing. Oh. So you get some gory stuff in there because there is a, you know, werewolf of all. There's some mm-hmm. action-packed moments. There's some very detailed sex. Mm-hmm. I'll warn you as you go in, which can be a very good thing, too. It's pretty great. Yeah. And so gradually you see he's a curmudgeon, but he changes a bit until just a super crazy ending. And that leads directly into two more books that come after this. I have not read the other two books, okay. but actually, as I was reminding myself of the book this week, I was like, oh, shit, I got to read those. Um, I like to think of him as a grumpy dog instead of a grumpy cat. And like yeah, he's just wonderful. So he's a curmudgeon and he kind of changes, but kind of not, too. And he's still delightful. See? Yeah. Taking delight in it. Mm-hmm. We were discussing that before we started, that mm-hmm. we feel like curmudgeonly characters, there is a lot of types. Some of them are just curmudgeonly. No apologies. That's just the way it's going to be. Exactly. Some of them have some redeeming qualities underneath. Some have the capacity to change. We don't care. We love them all. Exactly. And some look like curmudgeons to the outside world, but really they're just soft and yes. lonely on the inside. Just protecting themselves. Yes. Protective barrier of curmudgeon. <laughs> I wonder how many times we can say curmudgeon without it starting to sound real weird. It's already weird. It's already me. weird? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I lost the ability to like spell it the- like halfway through the week <laughs> prepping for this. I was like, I can't spell this word anymore. What happened? There's a lot of letters in this word. It is. There is. A lot of consonants. Yeah. A lot of vowels. There is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us, Erin? I have uh, a book called Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Aha. Uh-huh. By... Fanny Flagg. Mm-hmm. And this was published in 1987. Um, you might know it from the movie that was in 1991, which was also an absolute delight, mm. to use Amy's phrase. Delight. Delight. But I, what's interesting to me about this book, and the reason that it came up now, is that this was probably the first book that I read like after I saw the movie. The movie kind of sparked my interest, mm-hmm. and then I read the book. And I remember um, that it was one of the first books I read, because it was fairly young in my reading life, that I felt like... dealt with some really deep um, themes, some dark stuff, but also had this humor. It also had this human element. It kind of set me off onto the literary fiction as opposed to I was really into genre fiction, you know, like murder mysteries, that type of thing. And this really opened up that whole world. I think previously your school life makes you feel like literary sure. fiction is very heavy and dense and like, oh, I've got to be looking for a theme and symbolism. Right. And so this was one of the first books I remember reading that was like, oh, this is just a great story. A and book. I loved yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, for that alone, you should check it out. But the book starts out in the 1980s with Mrs. Threadgood telling her life story to Evelyn, who is a middle aged lady hearing the story and she's not loving this part of her life. <laughs> so, um, 
Wait, she's not loving the middle age part? Yes. Okay. Yeah, not loving the being middle aged. Okay. So Mrs. Threadgood is recounting this whole tale of Iggy and Ruth from the 1930s, who are kind of like opposites. Iggy is kind of this irresponsible, taking risks, doesn't care. Um, Ruth had previously been, she's a very responsible person. She likes to do what's right. Um, they have this very diehard friendship. Uh, and Iggy actually saves Ruth. Ruth gets married to an, a very abusive man. And Iggy comes in and saves her from that situation. And and they end up raising Ruth was pregnant at the time, so they end up raising Ruth's son together. And they also run and own this uh, cafe called the Whistle Stop Cafe in Alabama, which has barbecue, coffee, and as you can imagine, a ton of characters and stories <laughs> all the time coming through. So they're on the surface, you know, it's the story of the cafe, but in reality, there's some really dark, heavy themes running through this book. And in a lot of ways, it was really ahead of its time in some of the things that it was dealing with, in some of the characters it was presenting. Um, you're definitely led to believe that Iggy and Ruth are in a relationship and in mm -hmm. fact are a couple. Mm -hmm. um, but it's done so in a way that I think is made to make you feel like they would have handled it in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this isn't something that they necessarily would have been broadcasting as it wasn't accepted. Um, and if you think about when this is written in 1987, a lot of that was still the same. For sure. And so yeah. it's interesting if you go back and read some of the reviews or some of the comments um, that people didn't seem to grasp that. Like it wasn't even something they could understand or compute. So it's I find that... radar. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. But uh, so I think, you know, when I say ahead of its time a little bit in addressing not only that this is something that is perfectly acceptable and normal, but also... Has been forever. Yeah. So here we are presenting characters from a you know time period long ago. Um, it's great. It's gripping. Um, it there there are differences from the movie. So if you've seen the movie, it's still worth a read. Um, and the reason I picked it now is because honestly, I couldn't really narrow it down to one curmudgeonly character because there's quite a few. I mean, it's in <laughs> Alabama in the 1930s. Yeah. yeah. In a cafe. They're like, over it. Yep. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of curmudgeonly characters. And in fact, all of them show signs of being curmudgeons at different times. Um, but there are some like really, when we were talking about the different types, like there's a couple of curmudgeonly characters that I would say are just like angry and don't really understand the source of their anger. Um, there are some that are, you know, anger on the outside, but are softy on the inside. I mean, it has all the, all the ones that we've talked about. So for that reason alone, get into those characters, <laughs> but I loved it. And I loved the movie too. Yeah. I was trying to remember in the movie, I did get the sense from the movie that they were in a relationship, right? They didn't gloss yes. over that. In no, the movie. no, no, yeah. no. Okay. No, no. Which is kind of in 1991, kind of brazen as well. It was. Yeah. 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 And it, it really, I would say, um, depends on your reading of it too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's interesting. I almost think how open-minded you are when you come to the book kind sure. of changes your interpretation of it maybe a little bit. Um, but also how maybe blind you want to be to things also can yeah. color your interpretation yeah. of it. So, yeah. Hmm. I like that. That's a good pick. Yeah, it was. I don't think I've ever book. read the book, but I do remember the movie and thinking like all these leaders are awesome. Yeah. 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 It's great. No. And the book is, yeah, is wonderful. Excellent. Well, for other genre, I mean, thinking of books and movies, I actually did a little something different to a two Ooh. for one, Ooh. a book and its adaptation. And I chose Pride and Prejudice. Wow. There's the book, of course, but mm -hmm. then, and there's been numerous like film and TV adaptations, but I'm thinking of the 2005 one okay. with Kira Knightley and Angus McFadden. Okay. Um, and I chose it because Mr. Darcy, he's like the grump extraordinaire. 
That's you true. know he's you, you can you can just picture him like sniffing in disdain <laughs> at anyone. <laughs> I was trying to think of something like from that time period, yeah. like an expression. It's like yeah, I could see that. I feel like that describes podcat <laughs> sniffing in disdain. I should have named podcat Mister Darcy, even though she's a female. Mm. Oh, that would have been a good move. I didn't do yeah. it, though. No, that's okay. So I read the book, and I could see why the world was so captured by Mr. Darcy. But before this particular adaptation, I got it, but I mostly just kind of was like, meh, I don't really mm-hmm. understand fully why people love him so much. I even saw the Colin Firth adaptation. He's a lovely man. But the book or the adaptation itself is like still like, meh. But something in this particular movie – made the book come alive to me in a way that it hadn't before and this particular sort of grumpy character and showed me levels of curmudgeon amongst all the other ones too so a whole world of curmudgeons opened up um so if you don't know the story lizzie and her sisters are in various stages of being pimped out by their mom to eligible suitors Lizzie in particular is very clever and she wants none of the usual romance or machinations that are happening among women and men at this time. And Mr. Darcy comes to town and he's hella rich. He's got the big old Pemberley estate and he is a grump. He's just kind of mean sometimes. He doesn't like dancing. He doesn't like talking. He doesn't like much of anything that he's supposed to. And Lizzie and Mr. Darcy are sort of repelled by one another, and they're both in their various forms of just like, at each other. Mm -hmm. But they're also deeply attracted in ways that they can't quite understand. And through the story, of course, there's lots of misunderstandings, back and forths, building to a great end. And the movie, like I said, is so satisfying, and it really made me think about this story in in a lot of different ways um it's funny it's sweet it's thoughtful it's really beautiful the way it's done and i think it just it's such a nice companion piece to the novel and that's Mm. why i brought both of these together um and and one of the reasons i love it so much is because both lizzie and mr darcy are just over it they just don't care about the things you're supposed to care about they can be very grumpy but at the end they're grumpy together wow and finding their mutual grumpiness so did this movie make you, or this book and the, this adaptation make you understand the yes. Mr. Darcy thing? Okay. Yes, what did. do you think about it? How do you? I think maybe because, you know, seeing if you, when you read Pride and Prejudice, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those that they foist on you when you're younger yeah. anyway. And of course there's the language, which is how it's written in the mm-hmm. 19th century. And something about seeing Mr. Darcy and the way that this particular actor, Angus McFadden did, um, you can see like the things working under at the surface, you know, uh, you see his behavior, but you also see maybe he, how he holds back at certain moments or how he like reaches out to touch Lizzie at one point, which is super, whoa, you know, yeah. touching. And um, yes, yeah, so you see levels of him that you don't necessarily see okay. in the book. And that I really enjoyed. Interesting. Yeah. Usually you don't get that. It's like the opposite. So it's awesome that the adaptation deepened the character. Yes. And Carrie Knightley, I love everything she does. Yeah, she's pretty. And fantastic. she's really good at Lizzie Bennett, and so are so is everyone else. You you'll recognize all of the sisters. They've gone on to great careers. Yeah, yeah, terrific. Yeah, I like that. A little read the book, watch the movie. I turned our other genre on its head. You did. I said, you know what? I'm going to be a curmudgeon, and I'm going to see the rules. Do it that my we, way. I'm going to see the rules we've set for ourselves. Oh, yeah, right. And Our push against them. Rules. No, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> 
Good instincts, I Thank say. You. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about this often. Oh, yeah. I tell myself I have to do things. It's me telling myself. It's totally me. And then the other self says, no, I won't do it. Yes. It's, it's weird mental behavior. And then even though we are ride or die, like in my head, I'm like, well, Aaron's going to be disappointed if I don't do it this way. And then I'm like, wait, no, I'm Aaron not. will not be. Not a chance. <laughs> no. So we're, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what we do. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. We have a sickness. It's yep. fine. Um, <laughs> So the book that I picked for the other alternate genre is called Olive Kitteridge by uh-huh. Elizabeth Strout. And the reason that I picked this for the alternate genre is it, it's it's kind of set up as a novel, but it's actually 13 stories. And the um, it was published in 2008, and it tells the story of Crosby, Maine in 13 different stories. Um, and they have lots of different characters from the town. Each of the stories is about something different. But Olive is appears in all of the stories. Some she's literally walking through a scene, and some she's a major character. But the thing that's consistent is that she is curmudgeonly. She says it like it is. She's no thr- thrills, no fuss. Um, you get the idea that she's almost like impenetrable to emotions until some of the later stories. And then you understand how deeply she's feeling things, which is why I really like her in this as a curmudgeonly character. Cause she, I, I keep saying I like the directness of curmudgeonly characters, and that's particularly true with her. I like that she just sort of says what she thinks. Yes. And sometimes it can be taken wrong, but a lot of times it's exactly what someone needed to hear. Like, I just needed someone to be honest and not say the thing that they're supposed to say, mm-hmm. but say the thing that they're not supposed to say. Right. And I love her role in all the different stories for that reason. I also like that we get the the other side we get a little bit of what's going on with her and why she presents that way or um what's happened in her life to get her to that point what she feels about things now um we see her younger in her marriage we see her older in her marriage it's the way that time is dealt with in this book is amazing it's a it's a wonderful tool um the the 13 stories kind of jump around in time but easy to follow. Um, you get gripped in right away by the characters and you get little snippets into, you know, these other people, the other townspeople. And what I love about it is that I think it ultimately kind of reads like a long-term relationship hmm. because you, there's this ebb and flow to the whole novel or all the stories. There's kind of this up and down feeling, you know, of, oh, things are so good and then things are not so good. And then, oh, you know, you have this kind of feeling of loss and then you have a feeling of happiness. And then, and I think that that's very, you know, reminiscent of a long-term relationship, whether that be a marriage, a friendship, whatever it is. But I, I, I really, really enjoyed this book. And they it is a series that HBO put out in 2014. I haven't seen it, full mm. disclosure, but... Frances um, McDormand. I know, I know. I bet she'd be really good at it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. I think that too. Um, and I thought that I heard somewhere that it was maybe going to be a movie. Like someone was trying oh. to jump it off into a movie. Did you see there's another book by Elizabeth yes. Scott just now? Yeah, just came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. called Olive Again. Again. Yeah, and I haven't read that yet, but I will because I truly and enjoyed this book and mm-hmm. I loved the writing. Um, it's very gripping and she's incredibly great at characters so yeah it's wonderful I remember seeing (laughs) (laughs) I've heard such good things about this book and I think I've dipped in and out at various points and I haven't read the whole thing Um, but I know a couple people we know this is one of their favorite books of all time oh really yeah maybe because she just doesn't give a shit. No, yeah. And you do. And there's sort of that humor. In in some ways, it reminds me of Eleanor Oliphant in that yes. she's just very like willing to say what it is. Now, 
I will say in Eleanor's case, you definitely feel like there's something else going on with Eleanor, whether that be like we've talked about before, the autism spectrum or something else. I don't have that feeling with Olive. I just think she is who she is. Yeah. It's not, she knows that she's supposed to say the nice thing. She just doesn't want to do it, which is entirely different than Eleanor. Yeah. But because of that, it also brings some of that humor where you're kind of like, this is awkwardly hilarious. Oh my God. And such wish fulfillment in a way. Yeah, everyone wants to say what they're really thinking. Yeah. And don't because of various reasons. And something about like being an older woman in particular, that's what I just want to embrace. I want to embrace the hell out of that. Yes. And I love, um, we've talked about this, that I, in my reading life, I came to short stories later, I Mm -hmm. think more in college. And then even as an adult, in in terms of what I would pick up to read, it took me a while to get there. And in this book, the short story form, it really shows you exactly why you should read short stories because they deal with these huge issues. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's more true to life the way it's handled. You know, like and there's there's one where um, a woman basically finds out that her husband either rekindled or for the first time had an affair. And this is just slipped in. I mean, I reread the page a couple times because I was like, wait, is that? Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly what's happening. Oh, wow. But I think that that when you look at it and you read it, you think, oh, that's more true to life because they're just having this conversation. They're, you know, later in their marriage. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do? And she's Mm -hmm. like, I just want to sit here for a while. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's beautifully honest. Yeah. So, sounds wonderful. It is. It's a delight. A delight. It's a delight. And it's a quick read. I mean, it's like 13, it's only like 250 pages. Yeah. So, have you put Olive again on your to be to read oh, list? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on Good. there. Yeah. Good. It's on there. Well, pop culture. Yes. I have something that's not hot off the presses because this is TV. So, hot off the mm. the wires, hot off the internet, the Wi-Fi, hot off the reel. <laughs> It took me a minute. I was like, wait, R-E-A-L? What? Oh, no, R-E-E-L. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, this is called Living With Yourself on Netflix. Paul Rudd. How is it? I have to know. Paul Rudd all day. All day. All day. We love Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> and there's two of him in this show. Yeah. Um, okay. So the main character is Miles. Paul okay. Rudd. And he is just over it. Mm-hmm. He's over his life. He's over his job, over his marriage. But he won't admit that he's gotten there. He won't admit that he is a super curmudgeon at this point, okay. that he is grump, that he is really failing at a lot of things and disappointing his wife and, and doing all of these things because of this. Not until he works at like an advertising agency and there's a guy that's routinely showing him up. He's a real asshole. And the guy at work brags two miles about this spot he went to and how it just really opened things up for him. And, mm. it's, you know, he's, everything is, is so much better now. So Miles then realizes how grumpy he has been because he starts, like, fixating on this. He's like, oh, okay, maybe the spot could fix me. Maybe this could right. all be better. Um, so he <laughs> pursues this spa even when he finds out – there's not a lot of information about what happens, mm. that it costs $50,000. Oh, boy. And the place is in a strip mall. Once he arrives at the strip mall, huh. he almost turns around until he sees Tom Brady walking out of the strip mall looking as happy as can be. Oh, wow. So, Miles goes in. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can't reveal what happens after that. Okay. But we'll say that soon there are two of them. 
And one is significantly better. He's like more energized. He's more in love with his wife. He's more in tune to life. He's doing better at his job. Mm. Meanwhile, old Miles is still around, sets up a real crotchety dynamic. Um, It kind of becomes like a battle against what we – what we let ourselves do, you know, over time, what we let ourselves become. There's the mm. cynical side of ourselves, curmudgeon side of ourselves. And then there's this guy that is embracing life, even when he's at middle age. So it's really smart. It's funny. It's very sweet and heartfelt. It's also structured in this really cool way where it's jumping back and forth in time and different episodes may be the same story from a different perspective, but not in like a feeling like you're doing the same thing kind of way. Right. It's really, really cool the way it's done. And it introduced me to a new Irish actress I'd never seen who plays his wife, who I'm now obsessed with. Her name's Eileen B. Eight episodes, half hour each, ends on a major storyline that could propel a new season. Oh, good. Yeah. Sounds I'm great. in. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd all day. Paul Rudd for the win. <laughs> wow. I wondered. I've like been hearing, I've seen interviews with him, yeah. and I've been very interested. So I'm glad you were the guinea pig. And I was I will the guinea watch pig. It. Also, once you're done watching it on Netflix, there's like a, a behind the scenes, just like a two minute thing where mm-hmm. it's Paul Rudd talking about some of the challenges of making the show. <laughs> and he admits like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, which is kind of cool because he's done everything. Yeah. You know, he's done Marvel movies. Right? So this is, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. okay. Definitely. Yes. Gonna watch it. Yes. What a great pick for a curmudgeonly character. Thank you. Hot off the reels. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Hot off the tape. Hot off the rails. Hot, hot video cassette tapes. VHS. VHS. Don't leave those in your car in the no, summer. don't do it. Do you don't remember it. those things all the time? They'd have the melted tape and you'd be like, who did that? I was just talking with somebody about the um, remaining video stores that still exist. How? Right? I know. You have to wonder if they're like a front for money laundering. They absolutely are. If there's like a, you know... There's Sex one stuff in the back in the small area that we live in. So one, you've got a population problem. Two, <laughs> it's next to a tanning salon, which I also question. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and the signs have never been changed. Like they're faded. It's like at the oh. two for one Tuesdays or whatever. They're all faded out. And I'm like, clearly you are a drug cartel. I mean, yeah. there is no other way. That you, who's going there? I've Who never seen a car there? parked in the parking no. lot. Never. Not once. Well, and there's a couple that are named Family Video, and I have to suspect half of it's porn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... <sighs> yeah. I just don't understand how I it know. works still. No. Yeah. It's not a good business model. Although, I wonder if there's, like, younger people who are drawn to the novelty of, like, having something, Ew. you know? Like, Ew, you're people right. that are now, like, bringing uh, cassette tapes back and yes. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously, there no. there was a time when this was the no. only option. Yeah. No. You go to Blockbuster and you couldn't find the movie you wanted? Too bad. Yes. Can't rent it on Amazon. No. It's like all the fashion trends that come back and you're like, why are you doing that? Yeah. We did, we lived that. It yeah, wasn't good. lived it. It wasn't good. No, tight rolling jeans no. is not comfortable no. and it's time consuming. And it's not flattering. Let's no. be real. No, no. no. Blue <laughs> pant look not good for anyone. No one. Not a chance. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in the demise of movie stores, you should listen to a podcast I've recommended before called Business Wars. Yes, that's right. Listen to the episode Netflix versus Blockbuster, Mm. and you will learn the three fatal moves Blockbuster made (laughs) that secured their demise. So, delightful. I don't think anybody saw coming what would actually come, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Because, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Well, I, mine's not hot off the reels. Oh, okay. Mine's older. That's fine. This is a TV show that I, is near and dear to my heart. I love. Mm. It's called Scrubs. <laughs> and it was from 2001 to 2010. Ooh, TV show. I think I know where we're going. Yeah. yeah. It's an oldie but a goodie. Takes place in Sacred Heart Hospital. Stars Zach Braff as uh, JD, who is an intern learning medicine. So he's a doctor in his residency. Um, the rest of the cast is great. You've got Donald Faison as Dr. I Kirk. Love him. I love him. And so their much. relationship. Amazing. It's, it's a very ride or die relationship. Very they are the die. best of friends. Yes. yes. Mm. It's got John C. McGinley, who plays Dr. Cox. And he is why I picked it for mm-hmm. curmudgeonly characters, because he does not care. Mm-mm. He's not interested in being friends with JD, which drives him nuts. <laughs> he can't understand why someone wouldn't want to be friends with him. Sure. He's not really feeling or caring. He's done this too long, and he doesn't care. And like one of his famous lines is, hey, now presenting man who doesn't care. And then he put points to himself. And leaves the room. <laughs> and more like that, he's amazing. There's also a character that I really love. Uh, Neil Flynn plays a janitor in this mm. series who is, I would say he's curmudgeonly, but he's also very, very diabolical. Like he very purposely is out to get JD and sets him up for terrible, terrible things that are hilarious and you can't get enough of. So He later went on to like... Not Malcolm in the Middle, but uh, something. The right? Middle. The Middle. Yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah, middle. yeah, yeah. The fi- and it took me a long time. I've mm. seen that show, and it took me a long time to be okay with his character. Because I was used to him being like this very, <laughs> like, you couldn't trust his actions ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was always like, oh, what's he doing? Oh, okay, no, a different guy. Different yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Great cast. Hilarious. It's the best, uh, you know, sitcom writing um it's when i fell in love with zach braff just as as an actor he's mm-hmm. the perfect guy for this role it's wonderful um you could probably really start anywhere it's not like a really difficult you know plot or anything to get into but it's worth watching the whole yeah. season and it's on hulu all the seasons Is so it on hulu? Yeah. i should rewatch it yeah it's fun i know i should rewatch it too uh-huh. but only for me for those two guys and their relationship that yeah. is a love that is beyond anything no. really yeah yeah it's it's a beautiful beautiful, a beautiful. testament to friendship <laughs> a real ride or die it's a flexible masculinity yes. you know not being threatened no it's by wonderful. their love for another man wonderful wonderful you know what? I just realized we got through the whole episode and we never talked about the two old men on the Muppet show. Like, they're the ultimate curmudgeons. You know, I thought of that earlier in the yeah, week, too. I did, Because too. I feel like you and I could be those people <gasps> so easily. Yeah, we could. Like, that's what we should be doing in our elderly years, is you and I should become those people for everything. Yeah. Just go to shows and just be mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Are those ladies here again? Yep. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're right behind you. We can hear you. Mm-hmm. Hearing aids have come really far. So, and just laugh at everything that comes our way. Just yeah, laugh. laugh maniacally. Maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> People will be like, "Why are you laughing?" I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what we do. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And stop touching my stuff. <laughs> stop moving my stuff. And get off my lawn. Get out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we could do it. I think we could too. I think we what just... we should do is like pick one movie theater and whatever movie's shown in that theater we're yeah. always watching it we're always in the back always there like tuesdays you know the discount movie day yeah we go and we speak at loud volume very loud through the, narrate the movie to each so other so much loud eating uh-huh the loudest so snacks we can find like a fluor cinema matinee yeah a lot of yeah. older people explaining the movie to each other yeah but we would be like 
rude about it. Yeah, we would be commenting on the movie, yes. not explaining it. Yes. We wouldn't be like, what's happening? It would yeah. be like when I look at you in the movie and I'm trying to say something to you, <laughs> but this time I'd actually say it out loud. Silence be damned. Yeah, I'd be grabbing your arm, staring at you, and being loud. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonder that you still go to movies with me. When I describe that behavior, looking at you, yeah. grabbing your arm, and then staring more intently. Because <laughs> nothing about that should be off-putting. <laughs> I just go with a big bag of popcorn and be like, hey, Aaron's going to really intently stare at me a lot. <laughs> And I just gotta just gotta go with it. <laughs> I, I gotta say make sure. that I work on it, but it's so innate. No, I can't. Gonna, no, not work there's on no that. way. No. I know it. Yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Not a chance. <laughs> no, I won't. I can't control it. It's the same thing as the grabbing thing. I can't control it. You can't it. control it. I just have to put up my own like protectors. Yeah. And you know, that's almost the opposite of being a curmudgeon because you're so into it. Yeah. You just want everyone to have a good time. Whereas yes. when we get older, we have to um, shut down good times. Okay. We have to like, yeah. yeah well, really, I want to like, be selfish with good times. Like I want us yes, to be having a good yes, time, yes, but yes. no one else. Right. And if you're going to ruin my good time, I will ruin yours. Yeah. Like then I won't be afraid to say... You're too loud while I'm eating loud. Or <laughs> stop crinkling that. You already went to the bathroom. No more bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah, stop crinkling that. We ban candy from being sold during this movie. Yeah. And no snow caps, that's for oh, sure. Oh, God, no. I'll just knock those off the shelf defiantly. <laughs> Never. Not in my movie theater. No, what you'll do is walk up and down the aisles. And when you see someone with snow caps, no. Knock them out. Get that shit out of here. Like a cat. We'll take yeah. cues from podcast. Just uh, knocking stuff over. Yes. I love it. You know, curmudgeon-wise, we have a lot to learn from podcast. Right. She's already embraced it. She has. She knows something we don't She don't, don't give a shit. She does not. I got yelled at earlier today. Yeah. We were trying something out, and I had to leave the room without Amy, and yeah. apparently I'm not allowed to be anywhere nope. in podcast's house without supervision, <laughs> is what we learned. So... I have very much ticked off podcast today. <laughs> she then went instinctively to guard her food, which I also took offensively. <laughs> I'm not going to eat your food, podcast. Okay. Are you sure was she was guarding it or was she like, is this really my food? I can't. Yeah, it could it be out. either way with her. You oh, don't yeah, know. Yeah, you don't know. Another part of a curmudgeon. Yes. You don't know. Like people could like, no, they just need help. We want to always be teetering that we line where you're teetering. not sure. Yep. So then if someone comes to help, we're like, no, we didn't need help. That's another benefit of getting old. People will think that we're like old and decrepit. And we're like, oh, no, we're just drawing you in. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe, and I don't work out now, yeah. but I think maybe in my elderly years, I will just to be spry <gasps> yeah. to throw people off. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Because it'll be against what society thinks. So then it'll <laughs> seem appropriate. So as you get older, you'll get more limber and strong mm-hmm. instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably just good self-preservation, too, because I'll probably fall more. So You want to prevent the osteoporosis. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably already riddled in my bones. But. <laughs> Your bones are like Swiss cheese. It's just holes and holes. <laughs> waiting to crush Hollow upon bird themselves. bones. <laughs> just waiting to compact at any given moment. But yeah. I, I feel confident that my bones are not going to collapse before next Wednesday. <laughs> Excellent transition, Aaron. <laughs> Which is when wow, we'll <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> you linked osteoporosis to our weekly podcast schedule. Yep. Whew, oh, I could have been a newscaster. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the live segment. Take that, CNN. I got it. 
Yeah. Oh, no. There'd be so many times if I was a newscaster on CNN, they'd flash in my face and they'd be like, oh, get it off. Get it off her face. Just be open. Like, what? It's like, what is that? Why are you doing this? Is oh, ter- this is so boring. This is terrible news. <laughs> we had that guy who finds sharks back. So, yeah, we're going to be back mm-hmm. next week. We are. Yep. And in the meantime, you can check out our website mm-hmm. where we have all the recommendations we made in this episode and bonus material. So much bonus material. And we are planning more bonus material. So much good bonus material. As we speak, like as I speak right now, in my head, it's machinations because we're just thinking all the time. Always thinking. Idea factory. That's right. Yep. But you could also give us ideas if you wanted to. Yes. If you thought, gosh, you know what I'd really like to know? How would Amy and Aaron handle blank? Bring it. Bring it. We will give you an answer. Yeah. Exactly. It'll be very curmudgeonly. Maybe. Yeah. If you want it to be. If, if not, you, you know, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what? We take it back. <laughs> we're going to do it how we want to do it, and you deal with it. You gave it to us, so we're going to do what we want. That's a true curmudgeon speaking right there. See? Love it. Love it. Yes. So you also, after you give us those ideas for bonus things, you might want to write a review. Say, this was delightful, even though they're curmudgeons. <laughs> or, I enjoyed myself thoroughly. La- never laughed so hard in my life. You're just writing them for you. My bones collapse from <laughs> laughing because I have osteoporosis or and a great taste in podcasts. I listened to this podcast and my osteoporosis healed itself. <laughs> <laughs> Never a better review. Do it now. Seriously, though, if you write a review, it helps us stay in the ratings and helps other people find us so they can heal their osteoporosis. Exactly. <laughs> because somehow we back miracle healers. Well, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. We're just giving back. Obviously. Uh, that's what we do. And you know what? We would love, like you have, if you have ideas for bonuses, want to hear those. Well, we also want to hear any ideas you have for themes. Oh. If you have a full idea for a theme or even a half of an idea, send it over. I'll take we a can quarter. Work on it. Oh, even a quarter. Mm-hmm. I'll take a sixth Six. of an idea. She went to a sixth, not an eighth. <laughs> a sixth. Which, if you have an eighth of an idea, make it a sixth yep. and then we'll take it. And then yeah. we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can do that by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, our website. You can find Podcat on Instagram sure can. if you want her to take she the idea. She is a curmudgeonly delight. She is. On Instagram. She really is. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... 
this isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.